Good morning. It's good to see all of you here, and what a blessing it is to to be able to be back here. Last Sunday, I wasn't able to be here. Uh, I, Jess had fallen, and and uh, as most of you know, fractured her sacrum and uh, her coccyx. Um, so she, her backside was very painful. If you've ever injured that area in that way, she couldn't get up or get down. And uh, Saturday night before church, or Friday night, I guess it was, she had tried to get up on herself without waking me up to use the restroom, and she passed out. And so I couldn't be here because I couldn't trust that she wouldn't pass out and hurt herself again. Uh, but uh, I just want to say I thank the Lord that she wasn't hurt any worse than she is. And uh, I appreciate everybody's prayers, and she does as well. I also appreciate all the food. Um, and uh, it, there's been some good food that's been brought out and delivered, and uh, it's all been good. I, I won't say there's been some good food. It's all been good. And we, we just want to say thank you to all those that have, uh, have uh, helped out with that, watched the kids, and, and done, the other, done things like, like that for us. Uh, it, it truly is a blessing. I'm thankful for the church family that we have. This morning we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. There's a phrase that we ended on our scripture reading that has always struck me since the first time that I remember reading it. David, uh, having come upon uh, the, the battlefield to see his brothers uh, running an errand for his father. He's delivering uh, food to his brothers. He's coming to see how they're doing. And uh, he, he, he comes into the midst of uh, a battle that hasn't actually taken place yet. Uh, if you read it, it says that the Israelites are encamped on one side of the, on one hill and the Philistines are encamped on the other hill and, and there's a valley in between and it says they've set themselves arrayed for the battle. They've prepared themselves for battle, but nobody's, nobody has made that first move yet. The first move really has been made by one man. His name is Goliath, uh, a, a man from Gath. Uh, uh, the Bible t- tells us he's about nine and a half feet tall. He's a champion of champions. He's a, he's a, he's a rough character, not somebody you want to meet in a back alley or on a battlefield. And uh, uh, it tells us the, the fear that's in the heart that strikes the heart of the the, the people and, and they run and every time they see him they run and it, in fact over the period of 40 days he comes out every morning and every evening and he challenges the, the people of Israel saying send me somebody to fight and if you win if, if I lose then the Philistines will be your servants and if you lose then you can be our servants it, uh, in, in essence it kind of shortens the battle a whole lot of people don't need to die and and uh, that was the offer but everybody was afraid including the king King Saul, who was head and shoulders taller than any of the rest of the Israelites. Uh, uh, so, so they were afraid, and, and it caused them to not actually go out to battle. Uh, they, they, they were there, they were prepared, they were ready. But when that battle would come, when that fight would rear its head, they would always run away. David comes into this uh, not knowing about Goliath, not knowing the situation, but knowing that they're in battle. He, he, come, he comes and he, he leaves the carriage uh, that he rode in on with, with uh, somebody to take care of it, and, and he hears this challenge uh, that's put forth by Goliath. And, and, uh, and he says, who is this guy? And why isn't anybody going out to fight him? He doesn't know that he's been there every day. Uh, in fact, what he sees is when Goliath comes out, all the soldiers went run and hide. 
And he says, what's wrong here? Here's this, 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 this soldier, on the other, an enemy of God, who's coming out, and he's not just challenging the, 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 Israel, the Israeli nation. He's not just challenging the army of, of Saul. He's challenging the armies of the living God. He's defaming God. He's casting him down. He's, he, he's, uh, he, he's, he's making fun of them. He's, and he's, who is this guy, and why is nobody stepping up? There was something in David that, that caused him to, to then go and say, ask the, other, the people there. He asked his brother Eliab, he says, who is this guy? And he says, I know why you're, Eliab says, I know why you're here. He says, you left your few sheep in the wilderness and you came here because you just wanted to get, put your nose in other people's business and wanted to watch the battle. He says, the only reason you're talking this way is because you know you're not going to have to fight. Well, he said that because, well, he's probably ashamed, number one. David says, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a, a reason for us to do something? Uh, that, that word cause, it means uh, the reason or motive that urges uh, or moves or compels somebody, somebody to make a decision or to act. There are a lot of causes out there that are good. Uh, 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 there are people that give their lives to certain causes, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, uh, homelessness or whether it's uh, people uh, giving their lives serving the, uh, the, the needy or the, 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 the kids that are in foster care. There are a lot of great needs out there, and I'm not here to, to, to talk uh, about any of those, those causes, but, but there are people that lives are driven by a need to do something. And David gets there, and he sees all of this is going on around him, and he says... In essence, what he's saying is, do you guys not see what I see? Do you not hear what I just heard? Do you not feel what I feel? There was something in David that made him make a choice right then and there as a young person that he was going to go step up when nobody else would. He says, is there not a cause? First thing I, I, I want to mention or I want us to notice is the, the fray that is to be fought. In, in chapter 17, verse 2, we see this. It says, it says, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Uh, that, that word set in array means that they were prepared. They, uh, they were entrenched. They got, they got themselves ready for an attack. Uh, the Philistines did the same thing on the other side. Look at, with me, if you would, at uh, verse 21 as well. It says, For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in, in array, army against army. They were prepared. They were set for the battle, but nobody did anything. In fact, that went on for 40 days. 40 days they were there, waiting for the other person to come out and uh, waiting for the other army to start or uh, uh, not really ready to do anything themselves other than Goliath who came out and offered that challenge. I, I just want to remind you that this isn't the message. The message is that there is a cause. We're going to get to that. I mean, this is just the introduction. But I want you to understand that, that just like there was a battle back then, there is a battle today. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's a, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of darkness in this world in high places. There is a, a spiritual battle that's going on. It's going on outside of the church. It's going on inside of the church. It's going on in the heart of every single child of God. You are in a battle. That's why Ephesians chapter 6, God tells us to put on the whole armor of God. 
And we need to be prepared and understand that, listen, we are not just supposed to be here to exist on this earth, that you are not here just to sit in your seat and to keep it warm or to take up space or to be a number that is counted. You are here to fight the fight of God. Now, you don't fight that fight with weapons that we, you and I would typically would think of. No guns, no swords, no, no spears, no bows and arrows. Uh, we are the, are the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, Paul said. Uh, uh, but, but they are mighty through God. Do you know how you fight? You fight through prayer. You fight through service. You fight through worship. You fight by being consistent and being there and not leaving your, your, your place empty for somebody else to fill. You fight by doing something for God, for having a cause that would cause you to be there, something that would motivate, motivate you, something that would compel you, something that would necessitate your, 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 the reason why you were there. We don't come to church just to be here. I, I am thankful for everybody that's here this morning. And, and, and we, we, I pray that this message is going to be a blessing to you and a challenge to you. I, I, I pray that, that you understand that, 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 that while I'm glad you're here and I'm glad God saved you, God didn't save you just to get you out of hell or get you into heaven. Salvation is not just a ticket. Have you ever seen Willie and the, 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 I don't like the new one, the old Willie in the chocolate factory? I've got the golden ticket, I've got the gold. Listen, you have not received a golden ticket where you get to heaven and nothing else changes. Listen, when God saved you, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, that you were under the control of Satan, that you were walking in darkness and, 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 and living underneath his power and underneath the power of sin. But God, who was rich in his mercy, verse 4 says, man, he saved you. He gave you life and he changed you. And listen, it goes on to say in verses 8, 9, and 10 that you're saved by faith, through, by grace through faith, and that God saved you unto good works that he hath before ordained that you should walk therein. God saved you for a purpose. Ever wonder what your purpose was? Why did God save you? Why did God put you here on this earth? Why, why are you here? There is purpose for every single one of you. I'm not going to, to, to raise my position to the point where I can tell you what God's purpose is in your life. I can't do that. I do not have the mind of God. I do not know uh, God's purpose for each and every one of you, but I know one who does. His name is the Holy Spirit. And if you're saved, he lives and dwells inside of you. And he has, and he has according, to first, uh, according to Corinthians, he has gifted you with specific gifts that you are then to use, not for your own benefit, not for uh, your financial benefit, but for the benefit of other Christians around you. As you serve, as you love, as you do what God has called or is calling you to do. Now, there, is one, there was one call of Jesus when he said, follow me. There was a call to salvation. Uh, he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, all ye that are, that are, that are heavy laden, uh, I come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Uh, he calls us to come unto him to stop trying to labor and to earn our salvation. You are not saved by what you can do. You are not saved by being a member of Fellowship Baptist Church or Central Church or the Catholic Church or any other church. You do not become a Christian because you get baptized. You do not become a Christian because, uh, because you give money to the church or you do good works or, or, or you're the best person in the world. You don't get saved by any of that. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
We're not worthy of salvation. And God didn't save us because he looked down and said, you know what, they deserve it. I'm just going to give it to them. You know why he saved us? John 3.16, for God so loved the world. God loved you and I so much that even though we were sinners, the Bible says in Romans, that God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to clean up your acts. You don't have to change your ways. You don't have to, to, to attain a certain level of, of righteousness. Uh, you don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to, uh, to, to get rid of your tattoos. You don't have to do any of those things to become a, a child of God. You just have to, by faith, believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Can I tell you that he loves you? Can I I, I explain to you that that he died for you so that you could believe in him and not just have a home in heaven, but that you could have a relationship with the Father. The whole purpose of his death was not just to wipe away our sins, but to reconcile, it means to bring back together the relation of man and God. The entire Bible is about that, that, the reconciliation of that relationship from Genesis 1-1 to, to Revelation chapter 21. It's all about what Jesus Christ did on the cross and how he reconciled us back unto him. Because he desires to have a relationship with us. He desires. So if you're, if you're lost here today, I want you to understand the first thing that you need to know is, is that Christ loved you, that Christ died for you. In fact, the, our very understanding of love comes from Jesus Christ. First John says, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. It's a big word. It means the, 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 the payment or the atonement for our sin. You say, well, why did I have to die? Did he, why, why did the son have to die? Because God is holy. Because God is just, and a holy, just God will judge all sin. And that's a scary thought. So I'm not that bad. Well, maybe compared to me, you're not that bad. Maybe compared to the person sitting next to you, or, or whoever it is you're, you're comparing yourself, in your mind uh, there are a lot worse people than you, but the Bible says, again in Romans 3.23, we, we, for all sin comes short of the glory of God, not the glory of anybody around me. We, we come short of God's glory and of his holiness. And because of that, we will be judged. Well, this, this also, it's appointed a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. Now, now listen, you have a choice right now. If you're, if you're here and you have never by faith trusted in Jesus Christ, you have a choice right now, today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If the Holy Spirit is opening up your eyes and you have an understanding that you're a sinner, and listen, we've all sinned. It's part of our nature. You don't have to teach a child to lie or steal or, or, or cover their sin or cover the wrongdoings. Uh, they do those things on their own. It's natural. I want you to understand, we're all sinners. I'm not saying you're worse than anybody else. We're all in the same boat. We all needed Jesus Christ because we can't pay for our own sin. So you have a choice. The choice is today because you can't make it once you die. The Bible says it's appointed a man who wants to die, and after that, the judgment. One day we're all going to stand before God. And listen, I, I am just as guilty as anybody else is in my sin. 
I, I, I am not perfect, as, uh, even as a pastor. Uh, uh, I am still human. I make mistakes. I, 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 sometimes I choose to do the wrong. I lose my temper. I blow the horn at people. And, and Let's just say, well, that's not that big of a deal. I speed. So doesn't everybody, right? Okay, not everybody, Frank says. You don't drive, Brother Frank. The point is, what we think is little, God says if you break one of these commandments, you're just as guilty as if you've broken all of the commandments. So we're going to stand before God, and God is a just judge. He's going to judge us for, 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 for who we are and what we have done, and we are sinners, and, and we're going to stand before God, and a just judge will judge us righteously. And the answer will always be guilty. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 3, he says uh, that he didn't come to condemn the world, that the world was already condemned because of their sin. You know why he came? I already mentioned it. He came to save. He came so that we wouldn't have to die. He, he came not to just, just to be born on Christmas Day. He came to die on the cross and to raise three days later. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the gospel was this, that Jesus, the Son of God, uh, uh, was, was, uh, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, according to the scriptures, for our sins, and raised again on the third day. Uh, and, and if we believe those things, we by, we by faith have salvation. Again, you have a decision today. If you're here today and you're not saved and you, you've never placed your faith uh, in Christ, then you have a choice. I will either believe it or I will reject it. You may never get another opportunity, another chance. But I want you to understand today that God loves you and his desire is to save you. The Bible, says that, the Bible tells us that he would have all men to come under the knowledge of the truth. His desire is to save you. There's a battle today. There's a battle for the souls of men. There's a battle uh, in the hearts of even Christians. Listen, you cannot lose your salvation once you're saved. You're not saved by yourself. God saves you. But, but man, Satan can certainly affect your life's work and the purpose God has for your life by your disobedience, by your lack of commitment, by your, by your decision to not live for Christ. There's a battle. And Satan wants to, Satan wants to tempt you. Uh, uh, Satan wants to deceive you. Satan wants to, to distract you from what God has in your life. Again, he has a purpose for you, children of God. Know that there is a battle to be fought. Secondly, I want us to notice this. Uh, there is a foe to be faced. Now, now uh, here comes Goliath every day, morning and evening for 40 days straight, coming out and, 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 and issuing a challenge to all the men of Israel saying, somebody come fight me. Uh, uh, somebody come out and fight. There, there was a, a foe to be faced, and, and they, they, they're all, they, none of them would actually do it. They were all afraid, and we'll get to that in a, in a, in a moment. But, but, but there was a foe that was there. There was somebody that, that needed to go out and fight. I wonder if David hadn't showed up, how long they would have sat there, camped on both sides. It was 40 days. 40 days where the people saw him come out, and they ran away, and they saw him go back, and they see him in the evening. How long would they have been there if David hadn't showed up? If somebody hadn't realized that there was a cause. Just like there was a battle back then and there was a battle today, there was a foe back then. Let me just remind you, there is a foe that we face today. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. 
Bible tells us this, uh, and Peter says that, uh, that our adversary, the devil, uh, walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We, uh, we not only have a, to fight a battle, but we have a foe that must be faced. So we need to be able to, to stand and, and, and with, with, withstand, according to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, the temptation and the attacks that are hurled at us uh, by Satan. We can't ignore the fact, like the people of Israel did for 40 days. Well, I'm going to change that. You can't ignore that he's there. You can sit back and not do anything, uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, uh, We must understand that somebody's got to face the foe. Somebody's got to, and listen, we don't don't face him with a sword. We don't face him with a shield. Listen, you don't even get a sling and five stones like David did. You know how you face this foe? On your knees in prayer. When, and praying for, for the strength of God, praying for the help of God, praying for others, uh, supplicating or, or requesting God to work in others' lives, to strengthen you, to, to strengthen them, to mature you, to bring you through. the Listen, we, we face those battles in prayer. In fact, uh, I believe it was uh, John R. Rice said that any, any, any uh, battle that is lost is lost on our knees. There's a fight or, or afraid to be fought. There's a foe to be faced and now notice also there's a fear that was felt every time Goliath came out they ran they were terrified I would be too let's just be honest imagine going out to uh, going out there and you're ready to fight you, know, you, you, you these are trained soldiers by the way they're not just a ragtag group of guys that decide to get together they are trained soldiers they have fought in battles they have killed men they they, they, they have conquered uh, they they are they are a trained army and they go out there and here comes this foe that they faced now he's a he's nine and a half foot tall the Bible describes what he's wearing and, and, and his his helmet his his shield his his his, uh, his sword his spear uh, the, 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 the the arm or the mail that he wore upon him the, the grief man that stuff weighed more than David did he was a big man and it terrified everybody and because it terrified everybody it put them into a state of apathy. Apathy is a terrible thing. Apathy is when, it's not that, it's, it's when we, it's, we see a problem, but we don't care enough to do something about the problem. Now, and it can be, again, this was driven by fear, but for 40 days, they saw this man come up, morning and evening, and they did nothing. Saul, we know at some point, offered people money and his daughter's hand in marriage if you just go and kill this guy. But nobody did anything. They all talked about what's going to happen to the guy who does go out and kill him, but nobody would actually put on their armor, pick up their sword, and go fight. It was somebody else's job to do it. That same fear and apathy runs rampant in the church of God in America somebody else's job to do it. We, are, we, we, we saw the video from, about the, uh, oh, what's their names now? Yes, thank you, the McDonald's. Not, not McDonald's like you go eat at, the, the, the missionaries. Uh, they've, they've been over there in Kenya uh, for a couple of years, they, uh, since 2019. Man, God has blessed in their church. They need a building. They, they, uh, I'm thankful for the McDonald's. And we're glad to let the McDonald's go to Kenya. As long as we don't have to go. We'll pray for them. 
Sure, I'll pray for him. Now, listen, I'm not saying everybody's supposed to be a missionary, but it's really easy to let somebody else do something and us talk about praying for them or helping them or supporting them. There are all kinds of ministries and things that we talk about that should happen, but who's going to do those things? Who's going to take part? Well, we're busy. I understand. People have jobs. People have families to care for. But that's never changed in history. You know what's changed in history? People. Back in the 1940s, something terrible happened. December 7th, 1941. Who knows what happened? Pearl Harbor. There was a speech that was given that day. It was a day that would live in infamy. Because thousands of, of sailors and soldiers died that day because they, they were attacked at Pearl Harbor. And that put a stir in the hearts of many young men who then signed up and went out to fight at 17 and 18 years old. Went out to their deaths, many of them. Millions of people died in World War, World, World War II, but they did it because there was a cause. There was something that, 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 that necessitated that they put their lives on the line. They, they, they signed a, a blank check. Whether I get to come home or not, it is my duty, it is my purpose to go and fight in this war. Why? For freedom. We know what was happening. Germany was, 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 was killing the, the, they thought they were the, the, the superior race, and they, they were, the Aryan race was superior. They were killing the, uh, everybody that wasn't that, putting them in concentration camps. Six million Jews were, were, were killed, and it was, it was a terrible, terrible thing. The Japanese were, were fighting. It was, it was a rough war, and many people died. But why did they go? Was a couple of years ago, uh, during uh, the last uh, war, I, I was listening to the radio, and this woman was, had called in, and she was complaining to the... Now, I used to listen to a lot of talk radio. I don't so much anymore. But she was complaining because her child had signed up for the military before the, 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 there had been war declared and, uh, because they wanted the educational opportunities. But now, her child's going to have to go to war. I understand the sentiment. I don't want my kids going to war. I don't want them in any danger. But it wasn't just an educational thing you signed up for. You know what that was lacking there? A cause. There was nothing driving them, nothing necessitating them to go. It was just fear. And listen, the Israelites had lots of fear. I heard the saying the other day, hard times make hard men. And hard men make easy times. But then easy times make soft men. And soft men make hard times. Back in the, during the, the before the revolution uh, uh, of, of the United States of America, in the 17, uh, 1760s and 1770s, uh, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, uh, many other evangelists were, were crossing uh, the, the New England uh, from, from, uh, almost, from Maine all the way down. Listen, they were preaching the gospel. Uh, uh, they were telling others about Christ. And, and there was a whole generation of people that, that, that were, were hearing the gospel for the first time that you must be born again, and they got saved. And listen, it was that, that preaching and, 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 and those things that happened in those first years. Listen, there wasn't always freedom of religion. You understand that, correct? Not in our country. Uh, you say, no, they came here. They, they came here, and we've always said, no, they didn't. 
There were men in New England that were beaten, tied to a pole and beaten with a whip because they refused to have their children baptized into the church that they did not agree with. They didn't believe in, in infant baptism. And they believed that you must make a choice, uh, get, make a choice as an adult and get saved. And they, went, they were willing to, to lose their jobs and lo- get kicked out of their, their cities and towns to live out in the, into the wilderness because they didn't want to do those things in the world. And those that were here, the church that was here, wanted to force it on them. It was a hard time. You know, you know where freedom, uh, separation of church and state came from? It's Thomas Jefferson. And you know what, uh, what those letters were written about? Because there were Baptist ministers sitting in jail because they were preaching, you must be born again. It wasn't always easy for us. But you know what that arose up in the heart of men? Uh, in 1776, when, 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 uh, when England was putting the, 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 the taxes and the tariffs and the, uh, upon the men and making the, them house, house soldiers in their homes, listen, uh, they rose up. It, it produced hard men who were willing to step out and fight. Listen, there were pastors who led the men of their church off to the battlefield. I don't know about you, I'm thankful for the Revolutionary War. It gave us the country that we now live in. But over the years, what has happened? In our freedoms, we have lost the hardness. We have become complacent. We have lost the cause. In the 40s, they, there was a cause. Uh, communism, uh, Hitler and, and, and communism was, was making its way across Europe. And, and, and when they had finally attacked the U.S., they stepped up. There was a cause to fight. Hey, there's no cause. We're, 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 we're resting back on our laurels. We're, we're sitting back. And, and I'm, not telling, I'm not telling you to go to war. I'm not telling you to go out and buy guns. I'm not telling you to, to, to pick up some cause. What the cause we're to pick up is the cause that David picked up. The cause of Christ. There was a fear that was felt. And then there was a futility that was fostered. Because of that fear, for 40 days, they looked around and said, well, not me, but how about you? And they all said the same thing. Uh, it this, again, this, this, this idea of apathy. It was always somebody else's job. Uh, whoever goes out there is going to get rewarded, but it ain't going to be me. We do the same thing. Well, I'll go to church. but only if it doesn't interfere with the rest of my life. I've got to get enough sleep. I can't go to church on Sunday afternoon because football. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> I, I can't go to church on Wednesday because, uh, and, and pray uh, because, you know, I'm busy. Can I, can I, let, me, let me say this. It is not time for us to sit back on our laurels. It is not time for us to withdraw and pull back. You know what I see when I see people begin to pull back from things? I've seen this over and over and over again, just in our church, and and I've talked to the pastors, they see the same thing. If you you begin to pull back, uh, there was a time when this church on Wednesday night had this many people in it. People would come and, and, and listen, I would preach, other guys would preach, uh, Pastor Williams would preach, uh, we'd spend time in prayer, and I can remember times, I mean, I can remember some great times of prayer in this place. Now, we still have some great times of prayer, but there are a whole lot fewer people here. 
say, well, I can't be there. I, there listen, I, I used to work a, a, a job where I, I couldn't come to church. And I, I'm not, if, you're, if you have to work and you can't be here, I get it. I'm not talking about that. But if there is no cause, if there is no drive, if there is no desire to be here, my concern is that we're starting to rest back. And just, well, somebody will go to church and pray. You know that there are churches that are closing their doors all over the country. In Vassalboro, the town that I live in, there was a church that last winter, they closed their doors for the winter because they, they didn't have enough people there to afford to heat the building through the winter. So they said, well, we'll just come back again uh, uh, in, the, in the summertime. Guess what? They did not open their doors ever again. There are churches that closed due to COVID. And listen, I understand. We, uh, we, we closed here for a short period of time. When, once we were allowed to open up, we did the, did the mask thing and all those things because we didn't want people to get sick. There are still churches that are sitting at home, people that are sitting at home not going to church because they're afraid. Listen, you can go to Disney World and not wear a mask, but people are afraid to go to church. Well, we can watch online. I'm thankful for our online service. I got to watch last week because of it. I'm not trying to condemn that. It's something that is a useful tool. But if that is what you think church is, you are sadly, sadly mistaken. Church is this. Church is what happens during the service. Church is what happens after the service, when we fellowship and we spend time with one another. Hey, guess what? You can have church, well, not even here. You can get together at your homes and read your Bibles together or talk about where God's working in your life. You can pray. You don't have to be here for that. But that's the church. We are the church. There was a futility that was fostered. Uh, so I, I, I just I painted the picture. I, I want you to understand. Now, now, now you have David. He comes on to this. And, man, he sees all of these things. He sees the terror in their eyes. He sees them run away. He sees Goliath come up and, and challenge. And he's like, hey, who is this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine? And why isn't anybody doing, doing anything about it? And he says this. Is there not a cause? Say it with me. Is there not a cause? Is there a cause? Is there something in your heart as a child of God that motivates you to fight the battle? And they were soldiers that weren't motivated to go fight that battle. They allowed their fear to drive them away. They allowed that, that apathy to say, well, somebody else will do it. But listen, nobody else was doing it. Is there not a cause? But my message this morning is, is, is four points. And I haven't even got there yet, so we'll see how, how, we'll see how we do. Yes, there is a cause. Yes, there is a cause. The first cause is just take your finger like this and point up to heaven. There is his cause. This is his cause. I want you to look at a couple of verses with me. Chapter 17, verse 26. David says, uh, it says this, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? He didn't say the armies of Israel. He didn't say our king. He, hey, listen, it wasn't about politics. It wasn't about power. It wasn't about strength. He says, listen, he is defying our God. Is there not a cause? Isaiah chapter 44. Keep your hand here in 1 Samuel. 
of Isaiah chapter 44. Look with me in just a couple of verses here, verse 6 through 8. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. I, and beside me there is no God. And who, as I shall call and shall declare it, and set in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Listen, David, in his years of, uh, of watching the sheep in the field, meditated and learned of God. He saw God take care of him and provide for him and protect him as he fought, the, the if we would read it, the, the bear and the, the lion that attacked the flock. And God gave him the strength to fight those, those, those beasts uh, with his bare hands and to, to have victory in that. Listen, he, he knew the God of Israel that, that brought Israel out of Egypt. He knew the God of Israel that, that, that gave them freedom uh, from, from that slavery. He knew the God of Israel that had performed the miracles in the wilderness and part of the Red Sea and fed them with manna and brought water from a rock. He knew the God of Israel. He's a God worthy of worship. He is a God that is worthy for us to serve. He is a God that is worthy for us to pray to. He is a God who is worthy of us to give to. He is a God who is worthy to, to sacrifice our lives for. Yes, there is a cause, and his name is Jesus. You know, we, we don't come here, you don't come to hear me talk. I am not a great orator. I am not a great speaker. Uh, you don't come to this place even for the food that we have on, on, on Sunday afternoons. It's good food. Uh, but as, as I've noticed over the years, the food has in, 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 it's increased my girth. Uh, though I've lost 35 pounds in the last couple months. Uh, you don't come for the food. You don't come for the fellowship. You don't come for the, the good time. You know why we come? I hope this is why you come. We come because we are called to worship. We are called to come and sing praises and exalt our God because he is worthy of it. He is holy. He is just. He is righteous. He has given his son to die on the cross for our sins. He has given you salvation. He is worthy. It is not just because our friends are here. When I was a kid, that's why I went to church. My parents made me go to church, and I went to church because that's where my friends were. I went to a Christian school, and all my friends came to church, and guess what? I spent my life there because that's, but listen, that's, as I grew older, as I, as I came to faith in Christ at the age of 15, I realized there was a difference. Listen, it doesn't matter whether, whether my friends are here. Listen, it wouldn't even matter if you were here. Uh, if this place was empty next Sunday, guess what? I will be here because there is a cause to serve God in this place. It's not time to sit back. Who will fill the gap? Rose Blair passed away a few weeks ago. Her funeral was this Saturday. Her celebration of life is this coming Saturday. Who's going to take her place? Man, what a prayer warrior she was. She was a firecracker. Not just as a prayer warrior, as a young woman. She had to scare the hide off of just about anybody. She used to go into the prisons and preach to men in prisons until she was told she wasn't allowed to by some of the men in the church. She would go into the bars and preach uh, to, to the men and, and the people in the bars. And guess what? People got saved. 
She told me the story years ago of, of a man who, uh, who she preached to in prison, who when he got out of prison showed up at her doorstep and thanked her for sharing the gospel. Because he was saved. He got to go home to his family. A man, she, she sat down next to her in a bar one night and opened the Bible and said, you need to be saved. We didn't get saved at night. We got saved later on and came to her and said, thank you. Who's going to take your place? We sit back and we're afraid to talk to people because we might be ridiculed. We might be made fun of. We might, well, they might not think well of us. Listen, I want you to understand there is still a cause today. There is his cause. Not only is there his cause, but there's their cause. I'm pointing at everybody. What do I mean by that? Well, what did David see when he came? David saw the men run. David saw them run in terror, run in fear. He saw them having sat there for 40 days and not fighting. But I want you to look at me in verse 32. David has said, is there not a cause? And he's beginning to stir up the uh, people of hearing him. He, uh, and they've even carried the news back to Saul, what this young man is saying. Saul invites him in and, and to, to talk to him. And, and this is what he, David says in verse 32. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He says, don't let the soldiers' hearts fail. Don't let them be afraid. Don't let them to quit. That's what it means to fail. Don't let them quit. I'll go fight. Look at me in verse 51 and 52. After the fight, after David goes out and faces Goliath and has, has victory, we see this. Verse 51, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now notice verse 52. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistine until, the, until they, they'll come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sherem and unto Gath and unto Ekron. What happened? David says, don't let, them fall. don't let them faint. Don't let them quit. I know they're afraid. I'll go fight. He started a rallying cry when he said, is there not a cause? And when they saw him go out and they went, won the battle, what happened to the spirits of the men in that camp? They picked up the swords. They shouted in victory. And they chased that army as fast as they could. Listen, we have a reason to serve. If nobody else is around, we have reason to serve God. We have reason to come and worship. We have reason to give our lives. We have reason to pray. But can I tell you that there is a cause sitting right here beside you. There are people all around you that will be encouraged if you would take up the cause. They'll be strengthened that if you come and you're faithful and they, they see the, the, the word of God working in you, they see you serving God, they see the joy in, this, in your spirit and your willingness to serve, it encourages one another. The Bible, uh, Paul describes the church as a body. We, we say the body of believers quite often. Paul uses the body as an illustration. He says uh, some say that they're uh, some of the eye, some of the ear, and they're upset because they're not one or the other. Listen, it doesn't matter what part of the body you are. We're all united in Jesus Christ. 
where the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, that we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, uh, uh, and so much more as we see the day approaching. We're not to forsake that assembly. But do you know what it says in the verse before that? It says we're to do that for the purpose of exhorting one another unto good works. We're, 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 it's really hard to exhort someone to good works, to, to do good, to, to, to do right, to, to live for God, to, to go out and tell others about Christ, to, 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 to bear up through the, the trials and the tribulations you're going through if you're not there. It's hard to pray together as a church if the church doesn't come together to pray. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? There are marriages that are falling apart all in record numbers in churches today. In record numbers, there are young people. As they graduate from high school, they leave the church, they never come back. Is there not a cause? There are people that are struggling and going through difficult times in their lives that need you to come alongside and bear them up. Is there not a cause? telling you there's a cause today. We are one another's cause. The Bible says, we're to be, Jesus said, we're to be known by our love for one another. Now it's easy to say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. It's easy to say those things. But our love is not to be shown forth in our words only, but in our actions. I've seen the love of the love of our brethren over the last two weeks. When, when my wife fell and I got, that, I got that, 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 that call where she's on the floor, she's bawling her eyes out, she's crying, she says, please help. I got in my car and I'm calling everybody that I know because I needed somebody to watch the kids so I could take my wife, go with my wife to the hospital. At first I couldn't get a hold of anybody. But then when I did, everybody's like, hey, I'll take your kids. No, no, I'll take your kids. I don't know. Uh, my, my kids, are, I've already got somebody. Well, anything that we can do. Got, them home from, got her home from the hospital. We got the kids at the house. And, hey, can we take your kids t- tomorrow? And people just started offering to help. Uh, food got set. And we have so much food. And it's good. It's not helping my weight loss at all. Actually, I'm still doing okay. Because I'm not able to eat a lot of it because I'm vegan, just because I'm trying to be healthy. Anyways, what, 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 what are those things? That's the love of God shining through in the lives of God's people. In 1 John, it says this, if you see that there's a brother in need and you have the ability to meet that need and you close up your bowels of compassion, meaning you see the need, you're moved, but you're like, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. It says if you don't do that, if you close your bowels of compassion, it says how dwelleth the love of God in you? I've seen the love of God. I'm thankful for the blessings, and I pray the blessings of God on all of you. But listen, the cause. It's discouraging for a pastor to watch the numbers dwindle on Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings, Wednesday nights. I pray that we never get to the point where it's just me and my family on a Wednesday night here. It's actually almost happened once or twice. Now, part of that was because some of those that came were traveling, not able to be here, that were normally here. 
Brother Rich, there was one night, it was just, where's he at? There was one night, it was just you and me. I didn't even get to preach. Well, I could have, but it would have been weird to preach to one person. But you know what we prayed for? We prayed for people to be here, to have a desire to pray as a church. It breaks a heart. Because I've seen what we used to be, where, where we once were. And listen, this is happening not just to our church, but churches all across the country. Where, where man, people were invested, people were committed, but life got in the way. And it does, because that's what Satan does. He entices you away. He, he makes you busy. He makes it so you have to make a choice. And they're difficult choices. But when there's a cause that motivates you, that's the choice you'll go with. There's his cause. There's their cause. I want you to see there's my cause. What do I mean by this? Look at David. David sees all of this stuff. He says, is there not a cause? I'll go. He tells Saul, he's a youth. He's not a soldier. He's never carried a sword or a shield. In fact, Saul tries to put his, his armor and gives him his sword. And it says that he essayed to go, meaning that uh, he, he hesitated. He couldn't go because he had never tested or proved or used those things. You ever, uh, have you ever been the first time you ever shot a gun? Or, or Listen, you're no good at it because you've not learned how to use it. He says, I've not used these things. I can't do this. And he took off the stuff and gave it back. He says, I'll just go with my staff my, and my sling and God. It was his cause. See, that cause motivated David to do what nobody else would do. It was personal to him. He said, that's my God. These are my people. And I won't let that man defame my God. I'll go. Listen, for somebody to be able to commit their lives to Christ, not just for salvation, but give everything. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable purpose. It's not, it's not going above and beyond. Uh, it's, it's what we're supposed to do. And the Bible tells us this. Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth me, that if one died for all, that all should be willing to die for one. Listen, God, Christ died for you and gave you salvation. That love of his love should constrain you then to give yourself to him. You are a purchased possession. You are his people if you are a child of God. You should be motivated by your love of God. Not because there's just, it needs to be done. See, David didn't say, well, that's my king. I'm going to go fight for him. He said, that's my God. It became personal to him. It motivated David to be the one to step up. Is there a cause that is motivating you to step up and do more than you are doing now? 
Is there, is there something in you that's driving you? Listen, you need this because you're going to face hardship in your life. And you say, well, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. No, there's got to be something that drives you because the hardness will come. And when the hardness comes, if there is not something burning inside of you, causing you, motivating you, necessitating you to, to serve God, to, to be committed, to give your all, listen, you'll give up. Jeremiah, uh, in, the, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. In chapter 20, uh, 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 he talks about uh, how difficult it was for him to preach the word of God because nobody wanted to hear it. They were mocking him. They were making fun of him. They, uh, they, 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 were, uh, they, were, uh, they were belittling him. Uh, they, he wanted nothing more. He didn't want that anymore. He didn't. He says, I, I, in fact, let, let's look at it. Jeremiah chapter 20. He was tired of the affliction. He was tired of all the things that were being said about him, all the things that were being done to him. Chapter, chapter 20, verse 7 says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in the derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. He says, I've, I've gone through enough. I, I can't face it anymore. I'm done. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. He says, I was done. But there was something burning inside of Jeremiah, the word of God, that had to be preached. He, he, he held off as long as he could, but he said, I can't. I can't forbear any longer. I can't stay. And he preached the word. There are going to be decisions that you're going to have to make between serving God or serving self. There are going to be, have to be decisions that you make that, that are going to be difficult to make. It was going to cost you something to give your life to Christ. And the Bible says a man is a fool that if he doesn't count the cost. But can I tell you that it's a worthy cause? That cause will drive you. That, that cause will impel you to compel you. It will necessitate you to, to serve God, and God will re rejoice in you. God will reward you. God will give you the strength that you need to endure and to persevere and to go on. But if there's no burning desire, if there's no cause, it's just a decision. Guess what? You'll be like the men of Israel who put on their stuff for battle, and when Goliath came out, you'll run away. The only way that you will choose to stay and fight in those times is if there is your cause, if God's cause becomes your cause. No matter what else happens. Listen, in America we have it so easy. Seriously. We have it easy in this country. And I think that's the biggest problem. We've had it too easy for too long. I've been listening to uh, a, a, an audio book about a, a man named Brother Andrew. Uh, he's called God's Smuggler. Uh, he, he would go, go into other countries and, and uh, behind the, 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 the wall, the, the communist countries back in the, uh, shortly after the war. And, and he would go in there and, and try to strengthen and encourage the churches. 
And what he saw was the attack on the churches uh, in some places uh, at the beginning was persecution. They were arresting pastors. They were, and what they found was that the, the church was strengthened because under persecution, the church grows stronger. Jesus promises this, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So you know what they did? Instead of per, the, the communists learned from that, and they stopped persecuting the church, and they started leaving the church alone. And what they did was they began then to teach the children. They, they, would, they would let the kids go to school, and then they would teach the children that there is no God. And that their parents, while they, they were caught up in their religion, they were foolish for that. And they would draw kids away. Because all the friends were learning the same thing. And guess what? Suddenly, uh, as the, the churches got older, and there wasn't anybody there in the church anymore, because people had to make a choice. Listen, I'm not saying we, our, our schools are communistic, but this world will draw them, has drawn them away. Between education, between some of the education and the, the things we're taught in schools, uh, the, between the, the, uh, the, the social media, the television programs, all the things are out there to draw them away. Guess what? A lot of times the kids think that we are fools. And there's a reason why many of our, our children have walked out of these doors and never come back. Not because there isn't a God in heaven, because they've been drawn away. Can I tell you, there is a cause today. And it needs to be our cause. Your marriage should be your cause to do everything you can to be a godly husband and a godly wife. Your, your children should be your cause to, 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 to dig into the word of God and to become a godly parent. Not just a so-so parent, not just a pass, uh, pass the grade, but be the best parent that you can be according to the word of God. There's a cause to be here, to serve, to worship, to love. Is it your cause? Lastly, there is the cause. What's the cause? Well, you won't find it there in David's, David's battle. But Jesus said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew chapter 28, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every, every creature. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, it says uh, after, that which, after the Holy Ghost come upon you, you shall be my witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Our cause, the cause, is the cause of Christ. The cause of the church should be lost souls. Lost souls, people that, that need to hear the gospel, that, that, they, that we are all sinners, that God in his love sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and pay for our sin. And rose again on the third day. The gospel is our cause. It's our ministry. It's, it's what God has called us to do. See, what is my purpose in life? To serve God. And God has called you to tell others about him. Well, that's the pastor's job. Actually, while it is the pastor's job, it's also your job. The pastor's job is to feed the flock of God among you. That's what Paul told the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20. 
Paul told Timothy to, to do the work of an evangelist. The work of an evangelist isn't what we think of an evangelist now. It travels around and sings and preaches. The work of an evangelist is evangelizing, telling others about Jesus Christ. Yes, it's my job, but it's also your job. You know, people are dying every single day. Not, think about this. Uh, we've got missionaries in, in several countries. We support 30 or 40 missionaries now. I don't remember the, the number off the top of my head. Uh, uh, and, and they're there, and they're preaching the word. And What are we doing? Well, I'm praying for them. It's not enough. It's good that, they're, that we're doing that, and we're praying for them and supporting them. Who's telling the people that live next to you? Who's telling the people that live across the street? Uh, say, well, I, I post on Facebook. Good. Post on Facebook. Go tell somebody. You know, Paul could write letters. He, could have let, he, he wrote letters to Philippi. He wrote letters to, to Corinth. He wrote letters all over. But get it, you know what he did before he wrote those letters? He went there first and he preached the gospel. We need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's not our letters. It won't be our posts that save somebody. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans, chapter, Romans tells us uh, that, uh, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's our job to tell them there is a cause. There is his cause. There is their cause. There is my cause. There is the cause. David said, is there a cause? Yes, there's a cause. What are you going to do with that cause? Is it going to be yours? Are you going to give your life, are you going to dedicate your life to God's service, no matter the cost? And David went out and fought a man much, much bigger, much more well-equipped, much more prepared than he ever was. But he did it because the cause necessitated him to give himself to Christ. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are worthy of our worship and service. Lord, I'm thankful for the, the, the cause that's been placed in our lives. God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, help us to yield ourselves unto you, to sacrifice ourselves for whatever you would have for our lives. Lord, I pray that there might be some young, young people here today that, God, you might just put in their heart to, to become preachers or missionaries to tell their friends about Christ. God, I pray that you'll put, put in our hearts a, a burning desire to, to, to serve. Lord, help us not to, 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 to allow ourselves to grow weary or tired or weak as we sit and wait for others to do what you have called us to do. Help us, O oh God, to step up. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you're here, this, heads are bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning.